millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to episode number 59 of the Scottish History Podcast. My name is Owen Innes and this week we are going to be starting another little mini-series. We're going to be starting to talk about the UNESCO World Heritage Sites of Scotland. So join me for episode number 59 as we talk about the old town of Edinburgh. So today we are going to start learning about the UNESCO World Heritage Sites of Scotland. Now we have already covered one of them as such, that one being the Heart of Neolithic Orkney, but I will, although briefly, cover that topic once again. The first thing to clear up then is what is UNESCO and what is the big deal behind it? UNESCO stands for United Nations Educational, Scientific and Cultural Organisation. They were founded on the 16th of November 1945 in the wake of the Second World War. The idea was to bring nations together through education, social and human sciences, natural sciences, culture and the sharing of information. Now while Scotland has six UNESCO World Heritage Sites, Italy has the most with 51. China has 48 and Spain has 44. The top UNESCO sites in the world are arguably the Nubian monuments in Egypt as well as the Great Pyramids, Kathmandu Valley in Nepal, the Cape Floral region in South Africa, Machu Picchu in Peru, the Great Barrier Reef in Australia, Bruges in Belgium, the Great Wall of China, the Taj Mahal in India and Petra in Jordan. There are literally hundreds more, so if I was you, I'd go and check out unesco.org to find out more. That's unesco.org and find out some more about these wonderful, wonderful places. So over the course of our next few episodes then, we will talk about the six UNESCO sites in Scotland. Now these are in no particular order, but they might end up being in some order. Uh, the old and new towns of Edinburgh that were inscribed in 1995, the fourth bridge which was inscribed in 2015, the Antonine Wall, which is actually as a collection of the frontiers of the Roman Empire, which was entered in 2008. 
New Lanark, which was entered in 2001. The Heart of Neolithic Orkney, as I mentioned before, which entered in 1999. And lastly, the Island of St Kilda, which is the oldest one, which entered in 1986. This week, I thought I would start off with one of the places I know well. Uh, And it's two places, essentially, that make up just one UNESCO site. And I am referring to the old and the new towns of Edinburgh. Now, this week, we're just going to be starting with the old town. So, the city of Edinburgh is not very large, but the city centre is essentially split into two halves. The old town is the old bit, and the new town is the still pretty old bit, but it's newer than the old bit. I hope that makes sense. The old town consists of eight different areas. You have the Royal Mile, the Grass Market, Edinburgh Castle, the Cannon Gate, the Cowgate, Holyrood, Croft and Ree, and the Westport. So why don't we start with an area that everybody seems to know quite well. The famous Royal Mile, which is actually 1.2 miles in length. It is also known as a Scots Mile. So the Royal Mile is essentially a big long street with the castle at the top and ends at the bottom with Holyrood Palace. You remember that the castle sits on Castle Rock or Castle Hill, which is an old volcano and is known as a crag and tail. Well, the Royal Mile runs down the length of the tail. The Royal Mile, however, is not a recognised address. It is, in fact, just a nickname. The street has different parts which are all named differently. First, so marking our way down from the castle, you have Castle Hill, which then becomes the Lawn Market. It is on the Lawn Market that you will find Gladstone's Land, which is a brilliantly preserved 17th century merchant's house and well worth a visit when you're in the city. From the Lawn Market you then have High Street and it is on the High Street that you'll find St Giles Cathedral and entry to Mary King's Close, more of which will appear on a future episode but again two places that you desperately need to go and see yourself. Now just before you leave the High Street you will pass John Knox's house, the, the reformer John Knox and the World's End Pub. Now this is a little story about the World's End pub and the reason why it is called this. Because this was the old city limits. This is where it was walled and gated. To go in and out, you had to pay. But for the poorer people that were living in Edinburgh's old town at that time, some people for their whole lives never saw the other side of that wall. So for them, it was the end of the world. From here, it's on to the Cannon Gate, featuring the Scottish Parliament building, whether you like it or not. And finally, there's a little road, a little path almost, called Abbey Strand, which is just a short road into Holyrood Palace. So you can understand why it's called the Royal Mile. Really, when you think about it, you have the castle at the top, an old royal residence, and Holyrood Palace, a current royal residence, at the bottom. So running off of the Royal Mile, there are tons of alleyways. Now, these alleyways we call closes, presumably because they're quite small and you are therefore quite close to the walls. By far, my favourite close has to be Flesh Market Close, 
just purely for how morbid this the name sounds. Flesh market close. The flesh market, however, is the Scots term for a butcher's market. If you like your crime fiction, though, I do highly recommend the Rebus novels, so the John Rebus novels by Ian Rankin, which are mainly set in Edinburgh. One of those novels he happened to call Flesh Market Close. As you can imagine, the shape and look of Edinburgh's old town has changed drastically over the years, with many of the old closes being demolished and streets widened to accommodate new housing. The Cannon Gate, for example, in more recent times, has had a lot of new buildings put up. The previously mentioned Parliament Building is one of them, alongside a plethora of new student accommodation have been erected in recent times. So now we'll move on to the West Port. Now the term port means gate, so it's the West Gate. So like at the World's End, uh, the World's End section would have been referred to as a port. Now, the West Port was, of course, made famous, as we've mentioned already in episode number 27, by the murders committed by the infamous William Burke and William Hare. Nowadays, however, if you mention the West Port, you will most likely hear a Scots person say, Oh, you mean the pubic triangle? Yep, you heard me correctly the pubic triangle. Now, this is the locals' term for the area due to there being three strip clubs, believe it or not, one of them called Birkin Hares, uh, literally across the street from one another, which, if you drew a line between them, would form a triangle, hence the, the, the term. Now, if you're on the Westport heading east, you would arrive then onto the grass market. Now, if you were to think logically, you would think that people sold grass here. And whilst I'm sure a few dealings of some green stuff go down here of an evening, it is actually named that because there used to be grass there at the market. Um, So it was actually for selling live livestock. So you would have grass for the horses and the cows, etc. to eat. The grass market was also the site of the Porteous Riots, which we will talk about in another future episode, as well as public executions. Now, the most famous execution that happened on the grass market that I could find was, of course, of a Margaret Dixon. She was convicted of killing her newly born baby, and she was hanged in August of 1724. As her uh, body was being taken to Musselburgh uh, for burial, I presume, her family stopped to eat and drink at an inn on the way back. But they heard banging coming from the coffin. Margaret was still alive. However, because her punishment had already been carried out and had been legally declared dead, she could not be sentenced again. She lived at least for another 40 years and would even had to remarry her husband because death, uh, technically, death had parted them. Because of this instance, the words until dead were added to all sentencing to ensure that this would never happen again. So, you'll be hanged until dead. From then on, Margaret Dixon was referred to as Half-Hanged Maggie, uh, meaning Half-Hanged Margaret. And now there is a pub on the grass market, uh, which is named Maggie Dixon's Pub, 
So uh, it's a, a fine drinking establishment if, again, you happen to find yourself there. Now, there are now plenty of pubs on the grass market, and if you happen to indeed find yourself there, mine is a pint of Guinness in the Black Bull. Great pub, great people, great atmosphere, well worth it. Now, continuing east from the grass market, you eventually find yourself on the Cow Gate. Again, full of accommodation, pubs and clubs. The best pub, in my opinion, on the Cowgate being Bannerman's. Good pints and even better music. The Cowgate again has market routes, as this street is mainly where the cattle were driven down to reach the grass market. It was originally named in the 1490s as Via Vacarum, the way of the cows, to show its true meaning. Now, Sir Walter Scott, the famous Scottish author and poet, was born on the Cowgate, or just off of the Cowgate, in a property in 1771. I'm sure eventually we will have a full episode just about Sir Walter Scott, but that will come up at a later date. So, there we have it. This is an episode where I thought I would actually be able to end up killing two birds with one stone and talking about the new town and the old town in the same episode. However, after doing the research, it seemed that it was be it would be better to combine them into well, not combine them, sorry, to split them up into two separate episodes. So once again, folks, I just want to say thank you very much for your um, patience in waiting for a new episode. I have started a new job. I am no longer working nights, which is great. Uh, so basically, my episodes will still be uploaded on a Sunday. Um, but they might not be uploaded at the usual time that they have been. I usually upload them first thing in the morning, for example, so they're up there before everybody even wakes up kind of thing. Uh, whereas now, you know, I have to record in the in the late mornings and early afternoons here because I'm working during the day now, which is fantastic. Um, so uh, join me next time where, of course, we will find out about the new town of Edinburgh. If there is anything that I have missed and you want me to include in the next episode before we move on to the new uh, the new town, please let me know. You can do that via the website, which is www.scotthistorypod.com. Uh, you can send me an email, which is scotthistorypod at gmail.com. You can contact me through social media. That's Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for Scottish History Podcast. And lastly, if you do wish to contribute to the running costs, to help with the running costs, I should say, of this podcast, which is greatly appreciated, you can do so through Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Scott History Pod. And you can donate once a month to the podcast. You do not have to, but it's great of you to do so if you do wish to. So once again, folks, join me again next time. Next time we will be talking about the new town of Edinburgh. Have a good week. Speak to you later.